history of civilization is filled with legends. Legends of oppression, legends of cruelty, legends of beauty, and legends of strength. And the most fantastic of all legendary figures was the son of Samson. Only the son of Samson could have been capable of the superhuman feats of strength credited to this giant who conquered man and beast to redeem a tortured race from the clutches of its enslavers. Only the son of Samson could have withstood the enticing beauty of the bewitching Delilah of his moment in history. magnificent spectacle of this era comes to you in blazing color and total scope with a cast of thousands headed by Mark Forrest and Cello Alonso. Excitement surpassing anything ever before seen on the screen. Intrigue tautly woven into a fabric of suspense. Sultry impassioned romance as torrid as the Sahara sun that stirs the blood of these desert people. This is a motion picture spectacular beyond belief. In color and total scope, you must see Son of Samson. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Bloody Pit. Returning to the show, someone who I haven't spoken with, well, on the podcast in quite some time, although we do keep in somewhat of a certain amount of touch off the uh, off the podcast microphones, it is Mark Maddox. How are you doing this evening, sir? Where have you been? Why haven't you talked to me? <laughs> I've been lost in the desert searching for my one true love right. and then throwing a mil- and throwing millstones around and like with the second unit waves. with the second unit who's just taking pictures of the pyramids and stuff <laughs> yeah, or, or go, going down and buying the footage from somebody <laughs> yeah really right. yeah got that ed wood octopus yeah <laughs> yeah really mm-hmm. T- tonight we, we we're fi- we're finally talking about a genre that uh that i think both of us did you come to the peplum genre the sword and sandal genre when you were younger when you were a kid it was about uh, 71, Washington, D.C. television. I don't know if it was Channel 20 or whatever. Okay. Played the my single favorite sword and sandal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and you know which one it is. Goliath uh, uh, against or versus the vampires. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which you told me the proper name, and I went up and I bought a really bad copy of it off of eBay, but I had to have it. And... I loved it. I loved Gordon Scott. I thought, mm-hmm. man, that is a man. Uh, <laughs> He's kind of amazing, isn't he? Uh, I felt like it was so fun. And then a few years later, uh, when I moved to North Carolina, uh, we had a teacher, a mathematics teacher named Mr. Hart, who was a massive 16 millimeter fanatic. He had a massive collection of 16 millimeter films. And I don't remember what the hell happened. I might've been sick, maybe, hell, I don't know. Maybe it was the time I got my tonsils taken out or whatever, but I missed, uh, he would show every morning before 
school started one reel of whatever film he was showing and then the next day he'd show the next one and the next one and the next one you know how it's so I got in there and I had not seen uh, Goliath uh, versus the vampires or Goliath against the vampires uh, since uh, 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 when I lived in Maryland and the kids they had finished it but the kids were begging Mr. Hart to replay the final reel uh, a second a second time which was unprecedented and this is just before class started so I mean attendance was good at the school I mean nobody was late because you got to see all these movies but and so they showed the big fight between uh, you know good Gordon Scott and evil Gordon Scott and I'm like I just loved it <laughs> now so that is my hands down favorite Peblum is it, am I saying it right Peblum I always it's peplum p e p l u m peplum uh, and I may be I mean that's how I've always, that's always how I've heard it pronounced yeah uh, you know the sword the sword and sandal films yeah yeah I mean I don't remember exactly when I first saw one I know it was prob I know it was on commercial television right it's probably some afternoon screening and I have just a blurred notion of what it might have been right but then I remember seeking out a video cassette of uh, Hercules. And just eating it up with a spoon, and you know, and 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 so every everything I've come across after that, uh, you know, like buying just any kind of uh, you know cheap DVD set that's got like you know 50, <laughs> 50 right. ridiculous movies of this type right. crammed into it, all from shitty sixteen millimeter television prints that look like garbage. If you're lucky, but it doesn't matter because yeah, well, yeah, 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 and it's like you know, the missing bits and pieces, and the, you know, yeah. probably look like they've been dragged across asphalt but at any point the 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 chance to see those films is always a wonderful thing as i got older i was finally able to see a lot of these movies in cleaned up versions i i I was able to see like prints from uh video sources from italy uh that people would uh place english subtitles over thank goodness Mm -hmm. and so they would they it became the the rare feat to be able to see one of these things an actual widescreen, looking like you know, looking very actually important. colorful, <laughs> very important, yeah. very important. Oh, yeah, especially for the two. I mean, well, all for, for pretty much any of them, but the two we're going to be talking about tonight. Both mm-hmm. of them shot shot in, in glorious widescreen with absolutely amazing color, and a lot of the. I, I, it's hard to imagine. There are a number of times when there are some really smart uh, combinations of foreground elements that are being used to enhance the image that would have gotten cropped off in a lot of television showings, I would think. If it's not widescreen, there's a whole lot of detail that you're just missing in certain sequences. But nevertheless, I mean, the, the, the joy of these things, let's, let's remember one thing. It was a short lived burst of them in the late fifties through about the mid sixties. Right. That we all look back on and it, it becomes this kind of amazing thing when you realize there were hundreds of these things produced. I mean, a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, there came a point when I honestly thought, man, I wonder if I've seen like a good portion of them. And then I found out how many there were and went, oh, shit. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. that's, that's both good it. and bad news. Yeah. That's, stuff I can, that's stuff I can seek out, you know. Right. But the, uh, the joy is that we're finally... Thank God! Finally, getting some Blu-ray releases over here in the states. Yeah, and uh, luckily, the two we're going to talk about tonight turn out to be uh, linked in a way 
that uh, I did not expect, uh, and I think that it may just be complete happenstance that we're getting this, because as much as I love all these movies, I do also really love breaking them down and figuring out what uh, you know what caused them to be made, or what the kind of underlying reason for certain characters. Because one of the things that I mean, you and I have talked about this in the past, where um, that it didn't matter what the Italians called the main character, if it got brought over here, they were going to bastardize it. Oh, so yeah, yeah. it w- it wasn't going to be probably the name of the character. They were going to try to find some way to flub around and pretend that it was Hercules, or play around and, and say, oh, it's the son of Hercules, the son of Hercules, or right. something like that. Right. Or they'd find some other name to slap on it, as with the first movie we ought to talk about tonight, 1960's Machiste Nella Valle del Rey, or Machiste in the Valley of the Kings, but in the States, in English-speaking territories, folks, it was called Son of Samson. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're just going to rename the guy Samson because Americans are stupid and they don't, the only super strong man they could figure on and comprehend has to be pulled from the Bible because we can't use Hercules every time, right? Well, I, w- I would say this too. Um, I really, when I was watching the films and the fact that you had, you know, pointed me to the fact that the Gordon Scott Goliath Against the Vampires title was machiste versus what was it called machiste ver- well, uh, oh darn it well anyway it's, it's got uh, the name machiste in it and this yeah, is machi- me machiste contra uh, this uh, is machiste me contra el vampiro yeah and this is me you know furrowing my brow and going what is the actual reason and, and it's um machiste sounds so italian that they figured that it wouldn't yeah, yeah. It sounds like you know to somebody go. That sounds like a goddamn recipe to me. That sounds like some <laughs> well, kind it's, of it's food. The, and it's, it's like the, it's the joke in it's the joke in mystery science theater. You know, machi uh, uh, machiste steak or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and it does. And it oh, does. I didn't, I didn't sound know that. that. Way. I haven't. I've never yeah. seen one of those on mystery science. But the thing is, is uh, they're like trying to sell it to the American audience. We get it. We're having movies that we're seeing over here, like you know Victor Mature's, uh, uh, you know Samson and Delilah, Ben Hur, and all right. that kind of stuff. So they're trying to bridge the gap a little bit. Um, you can call it prejudice. I, I guess that might be a, a right way, but but back then it was just sort of like, how can we get this over here? I'll take it. I, I hate to say that, but I'll take it just for the fact. That I remember being a little kid, unhappy. My dad's in Vietnam, and I'm watching this movie where uh, one giant muscle man is fighting a vampire giant muscle man. And I'm like, at least it took my mind away from my troubles. You know, <laughs> even with the sides cropped and everything else, I'm yeah. like, just that's that's a beginning. And now we're getting more sophisticated and everything. And uh, I, I mean, I, I'm like, this is a Machiste movie. Both things I watch were Machiste movies. The only reason I call him Son of Samson is just to 
you know, because... Uh, well, it's the short form it so that people yeah. will understand what you're talking about because right. that's the title that's come out exactly. on exactly. the States on disc. But yeah. it's like so many other things we have to get used to. I mean, people have to get used to, you know, Yohimbo or, or Yojimbo. I've heard, I've heard it said both ways, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't even know which one's right, you know. And yeah, I know. I need a Japanese translator to get it right. Yes, and, and but then uh, Machiste, yeah, let... It is. It's like uh, you know. There's Zorro. There's in our in our country, our world, or whatever you want to call it. There's Batman and Superman, and then there's Machiste. You know, they all have their heroes, and yeah. uh, it's one of those things where you kind of go, "Hey, let's let's try to figure out this whole Machiste thing and understand how huge and old it is. How many oh, years it's been around? How many Machiste films?" were made whether they were connected to each other or not in the silent era there was a shitload of them made can i say oh, shitload yeah. on your Most show yes i can say you shitload can say, on you your could, show you could even say you could even say fuck time uh, there's a fuck fuckload of machiste films from the silent era and it's kind of like almost their eternal hero yes uh, he wasn't tied down. He was never tied down to any one time period. He just seemed to appear when the the population needed a hero or a champion. It's almost amazing. like metaphysical or spiritual or or something like that. Um, uh-huh. So you're you're in Egypt. You've got this guy show up who is, you know, not part of that country, but is like a savior to them because of his. It's almost like, yeah, I'm going to say this, and people are like, "What the? What, what rabbit hole is Maddox running down?" But it's almost <laughs> like God decided to, let, you know what? I need to fix this a little bit. This situation. Let's 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 bring this guy in. Let's let's bring this guy into Egypt, or in our next film, let's bring this guy to China. I mean, he's all over the place, you know, uh-huh. and he just sort of shows up. He's just sort of yeah. there. The character is never, Matisse is never given an origin. And we don't know what the source of his incredible powers are. Um, and, and, and there's never a reason for it. I mean, I love the fact that in this first film we're going to talk about, the closest we get to any kind of explanation for him at all is when he explains what, what is essentially a, tra- a translation of his name, which means born of the rock. Yeah. Almost as if there was a God who would just appear out of the earth in times of need. Yeah. And that's, that's wonderful. Which is kind of similar to like, you know, you you get the whole history of Hercules in so many different ways. This is their, their guy. The guy is born from the rock. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about a backstory before, um, before we get into it too much. I, was watching, I'm, I'm here working, and I'm like, okay, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, but I got to have the TV running or music or a audio book or whatever. And Linda comes downstairs, and I, on Kino Cult, their, their app, right, which they run a bunch of uh-huh. movies on. And I go, what the hell? I've, I think I've seen maybe one John Roland film. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, there's a list of them. And I'm like, okay, let's put on some of this, you know, sick, depraved stuff. And I'm like sort of I'm, I'm painting and I'm, I'm watching. And when it gets too heavy duty on the on the, uh, you know, the subtitles because they're they're in their native language, I would pause it and then paint for a while and then stop and eat a sandwich and 
you know, watch a little bit of the show. So Linda comes downstairs and there's a lot of nudity and oh, yeah. there's a lot of this and a lot of that. And so she if goes, you're, if you're talking genre land, yeah, you're talking about, a well, lot especially of, the uh, first one. Nudity. Well, the first one that I was running was, uh, the, the movie fascination. I think it was. Is yes. the, okay. So Linda comes downstairs and she sees this naked woman, you know, and this guy going at it and, you know, women submitting themselves and women attack. She goes, what are you watching? And I said, attack of the naked women. <laughs> and so, so she goes, Oh, okay. So she goes back upstairs cause she's working from home. It took me all day to watch it because I pause it and I paint for however long and I watch a little bit more and then I paint and yeah. And so it's sort of like a cigarette break. It's a Jean Roland break. So then she comes downstairs the next day and I'm watching, I don't remember which one it was, something with the zombies and the wine or something, uh, Grapes of Death. Oh, Grapes of Death, yeah. So she comes in and says, what are you watching? Uh, Attack of the Naked Women too." So she goes, oh, okay. So, and this goes on for four days. So then you've got me ordering these films. So I'm starting to watch those. And she goes, what are you watching? Uh, Attack of the Naked Men. So she, so she hangs around for a while. So, <laughs> so it's one of those things where, so we're watching. She goes, and by the end of the film, she goes, you didn't get naked. <laughs> I mean, sorry, honey. <laughs> sorry. Close honey. enough. <laughs> it's close enough. But, uh, it's one of those things where, to me, I'm watching these films and these guys are so pumped and pulsed and posing. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the first, the dang, I, I should know all this. The guy who plays uh, uh, in Son of Samson, who plays. Um, oh, Mark Forrest. Mark Forrest. He comes in and all that stuff, and he's he's very good looking and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I lean towards. Uh, and I'm not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not gay, <laughs> but I'm I'm a Gordon Scott guy, right? And I didn't dislike Mark Forrest, but I could see a little bit more, for lack of a better term, uh, stiffness in his performance. Yeah. Gordon Scott's a little bit more Hollywood matinee idol, but Forrest was good. I mean, he looked great. Um, Hell, I'm trying to think of the last time. I saw Hercules in the Haunted World in Atlanta at um, the Silver Scream Spook Show with uh, Professor Morte. I think you met him before, but they did okay. that. And uh, and so yeah, I, I get the feeling that he's still numero uno on the muscle guy. Is that probably correct? I, I, I really, I don't know. I mean, it's well, it's in the song in uh, in Rocky Horror and stuff like that. But to me, I, hell, I mean, to me, I, I for some reason, I'm a Gordon Scott guy. Now, I've got to go back. I'm going to go back this week after we're done and watch Hercules in the Haunted World because the copy I saw at the Spook Show was pretty raggy. It was bad shape. I think when Christopher Lee dies, spoilers, uh, I think it. <laughs> I think the footage of him actually being killed is cut, was cut from the copy we watched. It sort of jumped. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's just like already dead. Well, there's a great Blu-ray now of Hercules in the Haunted World. So, yeah. You know, buy, it, it. buy it for me because I'm your best friend. I thought you already had it. It's been out for years. Well, I mean, no, I, I, it's on Kino Cult, so I'll probably watch it again. I saw it at the theater oh, well, and then go. I haven't, you know, so yeah. I'll watch it. But you can still be. Yeah, yeah. If you can stream it, go ahead and stream you it. You can still be nice. No, I would never be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. <laughs> The most truest statement you've ever said, Rodney. 
uh, all right. You know, but like yeah, I mean, um, okay. So let's. Uh, so we're going to attack Son of Samson, aka. Repeat the name again. Oh God! You want me to do the Italian again? This is terrible. Uh, Machiste Nella Valle Nella Valle de de Re. Okay, and that's Machiste. Machiste in the Valley of the Kings. Uh, Machiste in the Valley of the Dolls. Okay, so. <laughs> well, that would be an interesting movie too, wouldn't it? Yeah. So everybody's zoned out, popping pills. It's great. Cool. But it'd have a killer rock and roll soundtrack and a guy in a wheelchair. Nevertheless, um, the. Uh, the, the joy of this one is, and I will I will state up front that I completely agree with your assessment of Mark Forrest. He, he's he's kind of stiff, especially in this film. He got a little better as his career went career went along, sure. but this he's 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 not nearly as good and as natural on screen as Gordon Scott is in the second film we'll talk about. But right. first, I want to I want to talk about one thing, which is that I've always thought about these sword and sandal films as kind of breaking down into two different two different large categories, and then it turns out that we can we can subdivide them even further. But the, the original way I was looking at them was just that you basically also you have the the kind of realistic movies, the the movies that are that are uh, you know Imperial Rome stories, right? Uh, uh, more or less realistic gladiators, legionnaires. Uh, Vikings stuff like that, right? right? Those are those are the, there's like one category, and then there's the fantastical stuff, the kind of mythical stories, on the other side. And honestly, one of the the joys of these movies is that, uh, at least for me, is you never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> you never know which side of the line a particular movie is gonna fall on. Unless there's something in the title that makes you go, huh, vampires, huh? I bet I know where this one goes. But the joy of these two movies is that these are two of the early films in what turned into a 25-movie series. Kind of, It's a pretty damn loose series, let's be honest. But yeah. 25 movies uh, made in the 60s that's, that are starring Machiste course embodied by several different actors over the course i mean like we're talking like seven or eight different actors over the course of the run of the of, of these movies yeah but still i had never until i started thinking about these movies really realized it's like i knew that there were you know that machiste's uh cinematic history stretched back into the silent period but i wasn't unaware i was unaware of just how many there were back then and uh, I was I was really uh, impressed just, to learn. Just a, to, just a just a quick note too. I mean, I was listening to the uh, commentary by David Duval. I, I can't remember the other guy, and I apologize for that, uh, just off the cuff. But I know David by by his name and his reputation. But he said one of them was Machiste in I think in the modern world being a policeman. Oh, I have no idea. I mean, it would not shock me. At all. That's what I'm saying is that Machiste yeah. is sort of there's got to be a word for this guy the eternal man almost like a guy that never dies and and goes and well, writes wrongs and stuff like that something that something that I thought of and then it turns out in the commentary track for the second movie we'll talk about Tim Lucas brings it up as well it reminded me a whole lot of the uh, the Michael Moorcock idea of the eternal champion oh like uh, um, you know, like Elric um, and Jerry Cornelius Jerry Can- and all, oh my you know, God I love that stuff. Yeah, I love the Jerry so, Cornelia stuff. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic stuff. Yeah. So you, when you when you think about it in those terms, it's far from being uh, an original idea, but it is a great one to recycle because it is it is one of those fantastical concepts that makes it very easy. It's like if you look at the titles of the Machiste films in the silent era, uh, 
there, there are things like uh, Machiste and the Japanese. Machiste versus Machiste. Machiste and the Chinese chest. Emperor Machiste. Machiste's American nephew. Machiste versus the Sheik. Machiste in hell. Uh, you, start, you start looking at these things and realizing, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Even some of the weirder titles like Machiste the Sleepwalker. It's like, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> Was going, now, was let me ask you there. a question. Have you watched any of these? No, no, I haven't. And the, the thing is, well, then not, you're not a film I was, historian. I, I'm, I I'm upset not. by I you. Suck. Turn off the show. Goodbye. Good night, everybody. Uh, <laughs> well, it was a short show, but a, it was a short, a short show, but a bitter one. Well, Let's but the go. thing <laughs> is, is that, is that I'm sort of like this guy. It's sort of like here's a, 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 a person with a certain moral code. And we're mm-hmm. going to plug him in wherever the hell we want to. Yeah. You Whenever know? we get an idea for a story where we want to have like a, a hero enter the enter the thing and and shake things up and actually, you know, turn things around for the oppressed people in the story, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to have Machiste show the hell up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the great thing is that by nineteen the 1960s, there hadn't been one since the silent era. And like I said, they made twenty-five of them during the nineteen sixties, and they, this is the first, the son, the one we now know as Son of Samson or Machiste in the Valley of the Kings was the first one, and um, it's it, it's it's kind of amazing to think about the fact that I had never known. I knew about Machiste years, I mean, like decades ago, because um, you'd uh, you know you you'd read about uh, running across uh, versions of the films from other countries where they kept the title more or less intact. So you knew the character name and you knew that they'd been changed, you know, when they when they dubbed them into English for whatever reason. And so it's like I knew the name, but I had no idea that the period of of interest to me, which is that period from the late fifties through the the mid to the mid to late sixties, that they produced twenty five just centered on Machiste, just with that character. Yeah. And that's what I mean about breaking it down, breaking these uh, films down into other categories. It's like I thought, you know, that there were there were essentially you break them down into the more realistic stuff, and you know, you, you and and then the cra- the the crazy you know wacky sometimes slightly uh, mythical or supernatural things, but it's like then you run across Machiste and it can be all of the above, all just in the same series. That's this separate little run of movies that are kind of amazing. And it's like I started looking at the list of them and realized, oh, well, I've seen some of these, but I've certainly not seen all of them. And that kind of, you know, that kind of made me happy too. Cause it's yeah. like, okay, yeah. what we need next is the rest of these to come out on Blu-ray so we can get nice, wonderful, beautiful prints of them so that I can sit down and watch uh, what I've known of, at, known, known for years under the title Mole Men versus the Son of Hercules under its correct title, Machiste, the strongest man in the world. Old Let's do that men next. versus the son of Hercules. Is that was what it was called? Mole men. Oh, mo- I thought you said old men. <laughs> so I thought, oh my men. god, he's being attacked oh, yeah. by a bunch, know, of, bunch of geriatrics with sticks. Yeah. Yeah. And then Machiste yeah, folds. He just can't take it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be exactly it. But so it's like- I want to ask you a question. What was your first exposure to Machiste? I want to know. I mean, I'm like it, when it, Machiste and knowing it was Machiste. Well, no, I mean, just I don't give a shit. I mean, I'm just saying. Oh. what was I was like with me with Goliath uh, uh, versus the vampires? I thought that for decades that was the name of the film. What was your first exposure to it? 
probably, and it's fuzzy, but it's probably the witch's curse. Uh, the one known as Machiste in Hell. Machiste in Hell. Uh, 1966. Okay. With, uh, with, uh, uh, it's, uh, Kurt, it's Kurt Morris playing, uh, Oh, the, I, I, I've uh, never Matisse even heard day. of him. See, that's news to me. So, is it? Oh, yeah, is yeah, it yeah. good? It's, it's a blast. You like it? Have you? Oh yeah. Well, it, but it was the it, the reason it stood out is I immediately knew. Okay, this is fucking weird because it takes place in the 1500s in Scotland. Wow. Yeah. He's yeah. he's the eternal champion. That's what he is. Yeah. You know. Huh. Do you have a copy? Uh, there is, or there was. Uh, I still the copy I have is the version that was put out by of all things something weird video on one of their double feature uh, DVDs years ago. Right. Uh, and I'd seen it before then, and that's why I was so excited to get that double feature DVD in the first place. I don't even remember what I don't even remember what the uh, the the co feature with it was on the disc, yeah. but it was such an it was just hey, like oh, that happens, yes, man. Yes. That happens. I mean, I'm I, you know once again, I mean, it's like lately uh, you start to appreciate well. You always appreciate the uh, who was the guy that just passed away from something weird. Uh, oh, uh, uh, um, Rainey. Yeah, um, he, uh, his. Um, you know, he's one of those people that carried the torch for people like yeah. us. You know, to see things that you either saw before when you were little, and you, there's no other way to see it, or see stuff that you've heard about. You know, thank goodness for people like that. And I was very sorry to hear that he passed away. I mean, I know Tim Lucas was, you know, very unhappy about it, but it, well, it was a, it was it was a, a bit of a shock from all accounts. He so, looked yeah. he looked young. I mean, I never met yeah. the guy or anything, but I saw a photograph of him in the last few years of his life, and he didn't look that old or anything. So no, I, I never thought of him as old. I just thought of him as that you know the something weird guy. Yeah. But, you know, you got to get it where you can. I mean, even me watching it on, I watched uh, Goliath Against the Vampires on YouTube, and then I talked to you, and then I bought the copy, and then I think it's the same copy that was off of YouTube. I swear to God, it was just put on a disc. Um, yeah. You know, well, it's that, it's that Goliath and the Vampires is the one, that's the one that uh, Kino was so hot, so hot to release that they, you know, they announced it a few years ago, and then it turns out that they really could not find good enough elements to use for an HD transfer, and so that release has kind of been mooted, and that's a real shame because no, it's, it's, beyond it's an astonishing shame. film. It's a, it's, yeah, it's beyond, it, it's, a, it's a crime. I mean, it just bothers me that somewhere somebody didn't go. Put it in the vault. I don't give a damn. Let's put it in the. Turn off the lights. Close the door. <laughs> let's go. Everybody go home and have your dinner. But that's going to sit in there for 20, 30, 50 years. You know, as long as there is enough until fire. We can, until we can, yeah, until we can save it and put it, you know, put it in you know, digitize it and make sure that it gets spread around the world. Because my God, yeah, yeah I know. I mean, I it, know. it 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 hurts. It hurts. I mean, it's going to be uh, some somebody. I mean, we're not talking about a film that's going to be restored in the way of. I mean, not presently. I mean, maybe eventually, but you know, it's like that restoration of the old dark house where there was political reasons and uh, you know yeah. backbiting, and finally we got a magnificent copy of the old dark house, which I'm ecstatic about. But this kind of a movie, how long have we got to wait? Am I going to be in my grave when, you know, Machiste versus, you know, the vampire finally shows up? Well, I have a slightly different, I have a slightly different take on that idea because I'll be honest, for a, for a number of years now, 
I've hoped and wished for some of these films to actually be released on disc over here in the States, to be shown the, the love and care for them that I think they deserve. Right. You know, extras, uh, film experts who know what they're talking about, speaking about these movies and, and going through them and pointing out all this wonderful stuff and just whatever we can get involved about the making of them while we can. And it's like, I honestly think that we've, we've made a leap because they are actually doing it. And there for years, yeah. you know, I and, a, and, a, and a, you know, dozens of other people were shouting into a void, hoping that it would eventually happen. And now that it is starting to happen, I can only just sit back and say, Hey, I am not going to complain about the ones that we haven't gotten yet, because maybe even the ones that right now we think we're not ever going to get to see in in H in HD, yeah, that could ch- that could change because yeah. um, as these things start to come out, money starts to move, people start to take note of what they may or may not have, you know, in a vault or in you know wherever, and so these kind of things have a tendency to snowball, and when that happens. All you know, uh, the, the, you know, eventually they just start putting them out, and it becomes a, a gold rush. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, the sa- same so. things going on right now with uh, another uh, one of the things that I've been, you know, holding my hands up and and praying to, praying to the cinema gods to for release as we're finally getting the damn breaking on the uh, Santo movies from Mexico. Oh we're yeah, finally starting yeah, yeah, to get yeah. some of those yeah. released yeah. on Blu-ray, and it's making me very happy that that is finally happening. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm I'm counting the days until we get that set from uh, from uh, Indicator that has the very first uh, two of his films yeah. with a yeah. boatload of extras on it. So you know. Yeah, I got the I got happening. the set the recent set that came out. Uh, but a lot of that goes into the late 60s, early 70s. And I am I would rather see stuff from the 60s. That's just my personality, you know? But Well, I do highly recommend the uh, the, the uh, recent Vinegar Syndrome disc of Is that the Santo one, is that the one with Death. him? I mean, I did the artwork where uh, for Scream Magazine where I put yeah. their Santos face on the cover to uh, the the robot monsters in his cave, and he's got all these Blu-rays laying around, and he's <laughs> screwing around with the remote. And on the screen is Santos from the guy's boxer. That's one of the reasons I I never made a print of it because it was like, okay, I did the artwork for like eighty percent of it, ninety percent of it, but I used that guy's cover, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that because somebody else did that. But, yeah, yeah. But I I had a fun time. Uh, uh, watching those. As a matter of fact, it was my recovery films when I got back from Monster Bash, driving back, you know, from Pennsylvania to to Florida, and I'm like, Ugh. so I put those on and watched them straight through and had a good time. But I love, the, you know, the earlier stuff too. I'm excited that they're going to bring out the early stuff. You know, yeah. Exactly. But anyway, I know you're. We're not here to talk about Santa. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's let's let's, 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 let's attack to... this film because we're trying to keep this you know fast and paced and and you know well as as best we can. God knows carb. we suck at being fast paced. Right. Uh, let's talk about Machiste in the Valley of Kings. Now I have this. There's this wonderful book that I'm going to uh, I'm going to crib from it's called Heroes Never Die uh-huh. the Italian Peplum Phenomena 1950 to 1967 mm. by Barry Atkinson mm. okay. and uh, okay. I'm I'm a fan of this book because he does go into all of these movies and it is kind of impressive the undertaking that he he set on his own shoulders but I think he's done a fantastic job here um, 
I even find myself mostly agreeing with him across a bunch of these movies. But uh, what's great is I'm trying not to read too many of his reviews in in uh, before I get to see some of the fi- films because I don't want some of the coolness ruined. Like this this uh, this amazing photograph on the facing on the facing page, which has uh, Gordon Scott squaring up against a bug-eyed sea creature in Hercules and the Princess of Troy. It's oh like, crap! Man, now I got to see that's that. Just, that's catnip, man. Oh yeah. That's the, that's the thing, too, is that, uh, you know, I find myself, um, like with Quentin Tarantino's newest book, I'm like, okay, I've seen like 80% of the films that he wrote about, but I'm like, there's, uh, you know, 20% of them that I didn't. So I'm like, oh, crap, I got to watch this before he starts talking about it. <laughs> so I did. I, if I had to pay for it, if I had, luckily, oh, it was on streaming, da 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 or right. even something like Rolling Thunder, which I had seen. Uh, two or three times, but hadn't seen just a great years and replayed it just before I went through that chapter uh, that he did, because I don't want you to spoil it, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So son of Samson, nice Egyptian footage at the beginning. Very nice. As a matter of fact, I'm like, uh, damn. It's well, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of stolen from, uh, shall we say more expensive productions. Sure. Uh, but the, the, uh, the film, uh, the story takes place in Egypt, roughly 500 BC. Uh, the Persians cruelly governed the subjugated people of the Nile. Kindly Pharaoh Aramitio wishes to liberate those enslaved within the walls of the city of Tanis, but his scheming wife, Queen Smedes, has other ideas. The vixen plans to have her husband assassinated and throw in her lot with the invaders, leaving her to rule with an iron fist. Uh, the the pharaoh is murdered. The sovereign head of state appointing the Persian uh, grand vi- the grand vizier, vizier uh, vizier the grand vizier grand vizier bazaar whatever. God damn! <laughs> is uh, as her second Dude, you're command. killing it. I know I'm killing it. Well, the the Pharaoh's uh, humane son Kinnaman, who lives among the poor and has fallen in love with the peasant girl Nofret, returns to Tanis only to be kind of drugged by a magic pendant that he uh, that's placed around his neck. It's called the Necklace of Forgetfulness. Yeah. And therefore, he falls into the clutches of his uh, uh, of his dad's widow. <laughs> Oh, it sounds a little bit like uh, Hamlet there. It also uh, no, that's not. No, like, no, actually not. That's not true. Yeah, but that's not true. It sounds a little bit like. Uh, uh, oh my goodness! The 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 legend. The 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 son comes home and marries his mother. Uh, oh darn it! Oedipus. I can't believe I'm blank. Oedipus. Jeez, I can't. I can't fucking believe I can remember that. Anyway. Hey, you know what's more uh, amazing? I re- I remembered that. With my old geriatric one of us brain, did. glad one of us did. She's go- oh, well, she plans to marry the son Kinnaman and f- and further her hold on Egypt, but she has not reckoned with Machiste, yeah. the serious strong man born from the rock, appearing out of nowhere. The muscle-bound hero in a yellow loincloth promises to lead a revolt against her and her Persian buddies and restore Kinnaman to the throne. Now, what, of course, is left out of that brief wrap-up of the story is that early on in the film, one of the, and something that happens in the very first act is that uh, Machiste runs across Kinnaman, who, uh, uh, and they uh, become fast friends because really quickly they wind up actually saving each other from uh, possible death. Right. 
And so they become quick friends before they even know who the other is. Right. And uh, then once uh, once Kenneman is injured and nursed back to health by the the peasant girl that he falls in love with, uh, things are set up for, for pretty obviously for him. Uh, the, he gets the bad news about his father being uh, his father dying. Uh, the the story goes out, you know, it, it, that he uh, that he died in, in a natural way, not that he was murdered. So he's sad and goes back to goes back to Tannis to to do what a you know a dutiful son needs to do, thinking you know thinking as he goes that he's he's gonna bring his uh, he's gonna bring along his his beloved eventually and uh, that does not work out for him until of course the third act sorry spoilers when uh, when Machiste once again kicks the living hell out of the bad guys, helps the rebels do what they need to do, and uh, brings this film to a rather satisfactory and violent conclusion. Machiste, the gods can expect of you no more than this. To take us all out of the Persians' hands. Somehow it is meant to be in the plans of the gods. You are appointed to lead us, and thus you are the only hope we have. Are you imbecile? Give them water and we'll be dying of thirst. Hey, merchant! Come here! Okay, now that Rodney has rushed through his description of the movie, let's drop yes. a little bit of subtleties. First off, beautiful Egyptian footage at the beginning of this film. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I'm assuming, uh, well, I mean, I think I even heard that it was second unit footage, but the pyramids... Uh, there's a scene early on where they burn some guys alive, but the building behind them that has been dug out of the sand is a, a, a place that I've seen before. I'm sorry to historians. I don't remember what it is, but I'm like, you know, this is one of the beautiful things about Spanish, French, Italian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, films from Europe. They've got... The, the place is already built for beautiful backgrounds for movies. Yes, you know? this is true. And so uh, I'm watching this and I'm going, wait a minute, I've, I've, I've seen that place. I mean, I've seen it when I was doing research for some painting or drawing or comic book I was doing or something like that. So, um, but let's get on to one of my favorite parts is when the... Uh, who is it that attacks uh, 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 when the uh, in the first film it is they are suppressed by who the Persians yeah the Persians right the Persians attack and you know I always call Linda to the TV set because they're snakes right but <laughs> there are guys buried up to their heads in the dirt but what's even Yes, I mean it was just a bust out laugh because it was so outlandish and so wild. Is there were people with just their feet sticking out of the ground? Yeah, they were buried head first. Head first. Could you imagine dying that way? What I love is that the the guys who are buried there that with with their heads up there, it's it's actually people who that they've buried there to make it to make it look as realistic as possible. And those scenes where those horses go by there, yeah. I kept thinking, man, how much were these fellas paid to, to, to take the chance of getting their, Probably their heads Probably nothing. Whacked? That's the that's the wackiness of it, is that the, the, the horses race by, and they're snakes. I think they look pretty harmless, although they were fast. I mean, I don't know what 
kind of snakes they've got in that part of the world. But, um, I mean, to me, they looked almost like garter snakes, but they were moving real fast and it looked good. But, um, you know, the guys are buried up to their head. Some people, their uh-huh. feet are sticking up in the air. It's like, you know what? I, If you got a choice, it'd be like, oh, have I got a choice of the way I'm buried? <laughs> Oh, you know, I think I'll take the snake and my head up in the air. I'd rather be bit by a snake, but uh, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, but it, really, are you telling me you'd rather be buried head down? No, I'd rather not be buried at all. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to force me to choose, well, that's I why. Don't know. That's why I hang out with yeah, you because you're awful. so smart. It's like, wait a minute, I, I want to go with Rodney. I don't want to be buried at all. Uh, okay, okay, we'll let you go. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't want to be buried at all. But, oh. uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this is, I was really, it, it probably goes back to what we're talking about with the uh, cinemascope style uh, composition of the film. When oh, you're watching this shot. stuff, beautifully and shot. I'm like, wow, they got to, they got to go to, you know, Egypt and film, you know, the, the pyramids. And I, I, I feel terrible because some scientist or somebody who has a better knowledge of, uh, you know, history than I do knows exactly what those guys, you, you know what I'm talking about? The guys are burned. Yeah, I mean, but, but, but the thing is, I mean, not, not, we're not expecting you to be an archaeologist or an Egyptologist. Yeah, I know, so but, but I it, know but. it, I know it from my, <laughs> my, my past of looking at that and it's like that was some excavation or something and uh-huh. here they are like and eh, we're making a movie go ahead and put some guys up on some sticks and light them on fire and it's like wait a minute you guys are so lucky because you don't have to you know do like they do in hollywood and set up a matte painting or a, a fake background or a, a blue screen or something like that and it's like that's pretty impressive but that's one of the advantages of making the films, the kind of films that you and I love in Europe. You're halfway there. You know, you're already you're already with the beautiful backgrounds and settings and stuff. Yeah. Which is plus is, it's is, plus it's beautifully photographed. I mean, here's the thing: both of these movies tonight yeah. had the same cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Which I, I I did not realize until I started digging into them. I'm like, oh man, these both both these movies are shot by the same guy, and this is the guy who shot Marco Polo, which is you know, uh, for the second film, which is what they cribbed a lot of sets from. Yeah. Um, so it was just natural for him to slide over and just keep, I guess, just keep photographing. But that sure. particular that that particular uh, photographer had a long career, and I realized just how many of his movies I've seen, uh, movies that he's uh, been the cinematographer for. His name was Ricardo. Palotini. Uh-huh. He he passed away in 82 and I have seen so many movies he made. First of all, he shot uh let's see how many of these titles you'll know. Uh Wild Wild Planet. Oh my god, yes. I fact, saw which I saw at the theater as a little kid uh-huh. in, in well, he Germany. He shot that. He shot The Long Hair of Death. Okay. Uh, Castle of Blood. Those are for uh you know so we're talking about uh, Antonio Margheriti. He did Hara Castle, The Fall right. of Rome. Uh, let's see, Mission Stardust. Oh my God, I love that movie. Uh huh. He shot a lot of movies for uh, for Antonio Margheriti. Including oh, it, it pause for a second. And by the way, fuck you for doing uh, uh, Mission Stardust without me. So hey, I'll keep, be glad to keep, do it again. I'll going. be glad to do it again. Yeah, we need to do a double feature of Wild Wild Planet and uh, Mission Stardust because those are two of my absolute favorites. Okay, we keep going. It. Keep going. 
He shot The Unnaturals for Margariti and God Said to Cain for Margariti. He shot Lady Frankenstein. He ah. shot, he shot, uh, oh my God, the, the, the Take a Hard Ride for Antonio Margariti. Oh. Uh, Ma- Magnum Cop, which I just recently finally saw. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the last movies he shot was The Last Hunter for uh, Antonio Margariti, which means he was working up through the last couple of years of his life. Uh, he's just the guy. Once again, it's one of those names that, unless you're a film fanatic, you don't even you don't ever dig into their credit. You don't think about who was the cinematographer on a particular film or who was the director of photography, which was sometimes how he was credited. And you just look at this guy's list of credits, and you're like, oh my God, I've seen so much of the work this guy put on film. And you look at something like these two movies, and you realize. God, he, it's just beautiful. He works so well in these widescreen images blending together the second the, the, the second unit stuff and the stuff he's shooting and having to blend together also stuff from uh, a different production to kind of give these lower budget films a bit more you know visual heft. And right. it's 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 amazing. I just I wanted to I wanted to, to, to talk about him for just a second, but also I gotta get your thoughts on this. Okay. This movie is kind of gory at times, a little more than you might think for a film made in 1960. I mean, we got people burned at the stakes. You've already talked about the 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 folks being buried alive, but yeah. there's a there's at least one dude who gets set on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Mark Forrest uh, gets gets to gets to really muscle man it up. He gets to fight a lion. He gets to heave a couple of oversized boulders around like you're gonna do. Not to mention a great big millstone that he that he flips over onto the enemy or throws right at them. Actually, right. Uh, there's uh, we, the the, the, the uh, we don't get uh, what I thought we were going to get with the 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 big uh, river full of uh, crocodiles. I thought we were going to get to see somebody getting taken apart by crocodiles, but they didn't. They didn't. They, they couldn't figure out a way to film that. I guess. Well, that one was okay. Keep going, and then we'll go back oh, well, it's just, to certain that, things. That, that's, that's just a, a quick rundown of some of the more violent moments in the film. I'm glad we get to see all this, you know, in its uncut glory these days. But I have to think that anybody who was importing these things to they they always cut these things down. They always trim oh, them yeah, down and sure, make them shorter. Sure. I have yeah. to think that a few of those shots probably had to get trimmed out because these were primarily at the time they were being brought over here in the sixties, primarily being marketed as kitty matinee stuff. You know, the stuff that the kids were going to enjoy more than adults, although more than a few adults enjoyed them as well. Well, it's kind of weird because I mean, I remember watching Goliath against the vampires. Am I saying that right? Is that wrong? Is it Goliath against or Goliath versus? I can't remember. Uh, Goliath. Oh, it's Goliath and the vampires. Goliath and the vampires. So they've yeah, got the a they've title. got a dance troupe. Okay. So, <laughs> but there's a scene I remember as a kid where a guy fires an arrow and it goes into a guy's eye socket while he's screaming. Ooh. And you know, I saw it on TV and I'm like, ooh, that's cool. I mean, obviously, decades later, and uh, you know, and the fact that Mr. Hart showed it in his class, I'm like, you know, that's almost like something some rotten little kid would come up with if he's writing a bad film right but it's fun (laughs) and uh, their violence is definitely more there there was a way that hollywood would let you know something bad happened without necessarily showing it these guys went the extra 20 percent beyond it 
And, you know, so Machiste grabs the big millstone and throws it on the guys. Eh, here I go. I'm picking it up. I'm headed towards it. And the guys walk in like victims with their spears or whatever. And he dumps it on them. And then you see, like, blood running out of their craniums. And the women are like, ah, ah. And then well, after a couple that, of seconds. How about the, uh, how well, about the axe uh, but, in the head? Oh, oh my god well that's in uh, is that in this one or is that in the yeah. second film that's in that's in this one well there was one in the second film too because another yeah, guy I think got, so yeah but uh, uh you know you're sort of like um it's still it's still comic book to me it's oh, not it's a, yeah like, it's a it's a it's a little over the top yeah because there's, there's no realism to the whole millstone crushing those guys because you know, we—they're we, not actually being crushed. They're being—you know—they're being—you know—bloodied. Whereas, you know, millstones, it, it would—it would squish them flat. We—we'd we, be seeing grape jelly leak out from underneath that thing. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, well, I mean, that's the whole point of stuff. I mean, you know, um, uh, Forrest, uh, you know, grabs a log in in one or two scenes and throws it at guys, and they—it it yep. sort of knocks the guy off his horse or whatever. But if you've ever seen something of massive weight hit a human being, it crushes them and keeps going. There, yeah. you know it, it. And and so this is fun. This is playtime. You know, Mark Forrest grabs this. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you something. My, if it's not my favorite scene, it's one of my favorite scenes in the film. Is when the obelisk is being raised kind of amazing yeah it really is and i'm sitting there going damn did they sort of you know grab a chunk of a set from you know ten commandments or or ben Hur yeah well the whole sequence seems to kind of be lifted wholesale from ten commandments just the whole idea of it yeah. nothing else it's it's smaller but the thing is still formidable and he and mark force is there trying to lift it up while it's crushing guys and all that kind of stuff uh-huh but you know, there's there's scenes, you know, right after that where he's throwing stuff at guys and crushing them and, and knocking them off their horses and all that stuff. And we know in real life, if you've ever actually seen something that weighs a thousand pounds or two thousand pounds when it hits a human being, it keeps going. A person it doesn't bounce off of a person. It's like no. You know, even in films in the United States where there's like a rock slide and these rocks are bouncing and stuff like that, I sort of watch them real carefully and go, you know, the rock hit the guy. He did bounce. He did fall backwards and die. But that rock would have kept kept going going. through him. It's not... I mean, the rock weighs as much as the man, and it would have gone through him, not literally, but it would have shoved him. And that's part of the whole playfulness of of movies. It's sort of like a $6 million man sort of thing. Like, you know, you throw something, you chuck something, the guy gets knocked on his butt, and that's all you're asking for. No, what would have happened if when Steve... Austin threw that 30 pound boulder at 60 miles an hour, it would have torn through him and blood would have splattered all over the place. But we're I'd showing... love to see a version of the $6 million man that did that. Yeah, I mean, I've actually. Where he used rocks as bullets. It'd be great. Well, I mean, I, you know, I mean, that's one of the things I've done because I'm, despite the fact there's a bunch of not so good $6 million man episodes, there have been times that I'm sort of like, I'd love to see 
them do w- with his strength, you know, like he throws throws a couch and tears th- four or five guys in half. But <laughs> but I mean, we're talking about physics. I mean, there's things in movies that I watch and I go, and eh, the rocks are way more dangerous than they show, you know, but True. Uh, but it's but we're talking about playfulness for for kids. So it's perfect. It's perfect fun fodder for kids Saturday matinee or well, let's talk about something in this movie that uh, may or may not have gone over most of the kids who are watching it what did you think of uh, uh, Chela Alonso the, the the wonderful Cuban lady who's playing the queen the evil queen yeah does the dance ah uh, yes that the dance, dance of the single veil uh, yeah. Rodney, I just uh, want to ask you one question, and I want this to stay in the show, okay, for sure, for, an inter- right. for an intervention. No promises. Okay. <laughs> Are you wearing pants? Okay, I just want to know before. We- I, I I am wearing boxer a shorts, thong. sir. Ooh, well, ooh no, 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 that's not, too not close. No, 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 no. Thongs, <laughs> okay, thongs. No. Yeah, never, I mean the that, well, I I mean I guess a, apparently the woman was a, a was a, a dancer of of repute. Yep. You know, um, oh, she was she was very well known. Uh, right, she 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 achieved recognition in her native Cuba for her dancing ability. Became a huge sensation there. Apparently, right, uh, she emerged uh, out of there as a, an exotic dancing talent at the Follies Berger in Paris. As a matter of fact, it's a variation on the dance that she was famous for that we get to see in this movie. Okay, uh, she's yeah, she's a. Astonishing, and of course, what was what was funny? She uh, she was first noticed internationally in uh, an early film she was in, Sheba and the Gladiator. It's a okay. 1959 film. Uh, co-starred. Well, okay, she was not the star. She was just a bit player in it. But she had a, a she had a, a, an erotic dance number in the film, and the uh, the female lead, Anita Ekberg, uh, kind of got overshadowed and was not pleased about it. <laughs> All wow, eyes that's, were on. That's that's tough to to overshadow Adina Ekberg, but yeah, True. okay, right. But but right. Chelo uh, Alonso, holy crap! She, if anybody's going to be able to do it, she's going to be able to do it, and she is amazing in this. Uh-huh. Uh, she was she was in a number of films in the '60s. She ended up uh, she she ended up marrying uh, someone she met when she was making uh, Morgan the Pirate. Uh, it was a production manager and producer on the film, uh, and uh, she kind of that's why she took a little bit of a break there when, uh, when after she had her son. But then by the late '60s, uh, while her husband was doing was the production supervisor of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, oh. she made a she had a mute cameo role. It's even uncredited, but it's if you know if you know where to look, you can spot her. Uh, then uh, uh, in what her, uh, in what. In the in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, she's actually in the that woman's in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah. She, what, she what doesn't part? Have, she doesn't. Ha- uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I'd have to go look. It's uh, she's just she she doesn't have any dialogue, but she is there. Yeah. Oh, you gotta you gotta tell me, dude. Now I'm drooling. Oh, I'll 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 have to I'll have to look it up later. I don't have okay. it. I don't have it okay. 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 That's now. fine. That's but fine. Her husband, her husband, then executive produced her comeback, uh, playing, and this is a movie you'll know about as well. Playing against uh, Thomas Melian in Run Man Run, she oh, okay. uh, she played the character Dolores, which has to be probably the best film role of her career. She's really good in the movie, and it's a it's a juicy role. Cool. Uh, and then uh, she she appeared in a few more uh, 
uh, films after that. But then, honestly, she she kind of abandoned film and focused on doing Italian, Italian television. Yeah. And uh, after the death of her husband in 1986, she uh, apparently moved to uh, a different city in Italy and retired from film and started a cat breeding business oh, as well as a, yeah, yeah. a four-star hotel. Yeah, I heard a little bit about that. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. well, you know, go, you know, more power to her. I'm just now. Is she still with us or is she gone? No, no, no. Sadly, she passed away in 2019, February 20th of 2019. Well, you know, she was 85. She had a hell of a run. That's a that's a good run. You know, that's a good run. But she, she is a standout in this because she is she she beautifully embodies uh, the the evil woman and she's also just beautiful in that dance sequence you can see why she why she was billed as the cuban h-bomb <laughs> yeah well i mean i mean i get the feeling that her her dance talent was one of the things that got her the job true true well i love this uh the from the from the book heroes never die i love how the the writer uh, uh, wraps up his 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 thoughts on this film. He says it's fast, it's furious, it's bloody, and it's fun. <laughs> and I got to agree. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the scene where Machiste, uh, and I can't remember the name of the good, the other good guy who gets uh, the the uh, amulet of forgetfulness or whatever. Uh, oh, the, uh, the the character's name is Kinnaman. Kinnaman. Yeah. Kinnaman. Right. But there's that scene where uh, one lion shows up and Machiste is saved by him. And then the lion another lion attacks Machiste and he yep. fights with it. And then they're sort of like, oh, we're, we're you know, it's, it's, it's nice to know you. And it's almost at the point where one guy slaps the other guy on the shoulder and then the other guy slaps the other guy on the shoulder, and you're waiting for the thir- for the other guy to slap him, and the guy falls out of the uh, out of the you know uh, sight of the camera. But uh, they sort of um, do this thing where they bond, but it is one of those things like I'm going your way, and I'm going, and you're going this way, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, thank you so much, and then it becomes a big deal in the film. Right. Later uh, on, that becomes one of the things that helps. Later on. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm going to say something about Mark Forrest. I didn't know anything about him. Never seen him. This is my first Machiste film with him. Uh-huh. And when I when the when he first started and don't and don't you kill me and don't your listeners kill me. But uh-huh. he looked like a very, very muscular guy with elon musk's head put on his body (laughs) oh that's embarrassing (laughs) yeah but you know what i'm saying i mean doesn't he sort of look like him Uh, yeah uh, uh, yeah uh, uh, and on that note let's uh let's take a quick break folks and we're gonna move on to the second film rodney's got a poop has lost his mind damn there's so many things i've got all these notes and you're like you know okay all right. Yep. So, wow, we didn't even get anywhere near the end of this film or anything. I wanted to talk about the crocodiles. I wanted to talk about this. I had experts, crocodile people, talking to me about them and everything. 
So. Oh, my God. In other words, you had the woman that you live with talking to you about Yeah, that's alcohol. true. Linda went by and smacked me in the skull. And what did she say? You're an idiot. Well, Lana, that's... Shut up! The woman, the woman shut up, Rodney. Well. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> All right. Here we All go. All right, go ahead. In the 13th century, Garak, ruthless master of the Mongols, descended upon Asia. His savage warrior bands were composed of many tribes and were united only by their desire for conquest and the will of Garak. They spilled into Panyan and plunged once mighty China into the darkness of slavery and misery. This is the story of the man who rose up against Garak and the Mongols, the young giant who was to strike terror into the hearts of the invaders. He assumed the name of Samson to match his size and feats of strength. His destiny was to perform the seven miracles, to ring the great bell of freedom, which was China's ancient call to arms, to arouse the people from their apathy. Under the leadership of the rebel Zhou, they sought as best they could to break the grip of Garak, the Mongol. Ready? Ready. Our second feature this evening, another Machiste film. Machiste, at the, well, let's, let's start with the Italian. Hold on, let me do this correctly. Machiste alla corte del gran Khan, or Machiste at the court of the great Khan. Here in the United States, known as Samson and the Seven Miracles of the World. So we're continuing the the Samson bastardization here in the States. Um, this is the one that stars Gordon Scott, who, uh, you know, as good a Tarzan as he was, I think I like him better in the Italian Muscle Man movies. I got to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think of him? Did you, what do you think of him as Tarzan? How does he compare for you? You know, here's here's my problem, and you're gonna like be pissed off. I've never huh. seen him play Tarzan. I've only seen photographs. Oh wow, really? And yet, I'm I'm dying. Linda is a massive fan of Tarzan. She read all the books multiple times, the yeah. original stories, and a lot of people give a lot of love to uh, Tarzan's Greatest Adventure. With him and uh, I know Sean Connery's in it, but who's the other uh, uh, the 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 villainous lead? I guess. Dang nabbit! Uh, who played uh, pre Indiana Jones, the one that Richard Chamberlain did back in the eighties to rip off Indiana Jones? Oh wait a minute! Are you talking about Anthony Quayle? No, no. What what is the character that Richard Chamberlain played in the eighties? Uh, oh, you mean Alan uh, Quartermain? The, the, he played Alan, Alan Quartermain. Quartermain. Yeah. Who played Alan Quartermain in the fifties? King Solomon's Mines. No, not Niall McGinnis. Not Niall McGinnis. I'm just rattling off the names of the people who are in the the Shit. bad guys played by Anthony Quayle, though, man. Shit. Let's see. I thought it was. Uh, nevertheless, the guy. if you've if you've not seen right. Tarzan's Greatest Adventure, you really ought to because here's the and thing. I haven't. I haven't. Well, here's the thing. Gordon Scott played Tarzan. I think. Five in five or six films, and in the first few, they're keeping the template that the that producers had kind of kept for Tarzan all the way 
from the the Weissmuller films forward, which is you know uh, you know halting semi semi literate English dialogue for Tarzan until they get to Tarzan's The Greatest Adventure, where they finally start having him act and speak like the Tarzan from the novels, and that is really the the, the point at which everybody is, becomes very very happy. <laughs> with Gordon Scott. Not that he wasn't a great Tarzan in the other mold because those movies are pretty damn great too. Yeah, but, but I heard I heard he was more of a wise miller. And I just looked it up. You're right, I'm wrong. You're good. I'm evil. I oh, thought yeah. it was who was the star of King Solomon's Mines way back in the day. It, it was a major star, but anyway, you're right. Uh it was Anthony Quayle, Sean Connery, Niall McGuinness. And for some reason, I thought it was the guy that was in the original King Solomon's Mines. And for some reason, I can't remember his name. I thought that that was the person that was the uh, the, the leader lead villain. But um, it's one of those things where the early Tarzans that Gordon Scott played in, he was more of a Weissmiller sort of. You know, yeah. mute, not you know one one word or two words per thing, and then they you know went beyond that and had him intelligent which in the books tarzan was smart as hell yeah spoke he multiple was, languages moved between civilization and and the, the jungle at will with you yeah. know able able to do whatever he really kind of do whatever he wanted to do in yeah. modern yeah. day so yeah well modern day for when you know for the for the modern for, day the from that day from that contemporary time period. times let's sure. put it that way sure but gordon scott as much as i enjoy him as Tarzan, uh, he only got to play the you know the 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 what I think of as the real Tarzan in his last two movies, and so I think that I probably prefer watching him in these these wonderful Italian Muscle Man movies. And this is this one's a good example as well. Samson and the Seven Miracles, the Seven Miracles of the World. It's just it's it's a hell of an adventure, and it's it's another one of these where I had not seen this before this disc came out. So I'm very happy that 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 it presents both the full length Italian cut with subtitles and the uh, shorter version that AIP trimmed down because they had a tendency to trim down about 15 or 20 minutes out of the movies to uh, shall we say get to the action sort of. I guess that's probably the best way to put it. Usually they trimmed out uh, stuff right at the beginning of the movie because um, most of the the first act of this movie in the uncut version really is presenting uh, backstory and setting setting different things up and kind of putting everything into place. And it's a very different kind of uh, film because it, it feels a little, in that longer cut, a little like we're taking our own sweet damn time to get there because in that, in that version of the film, Machiste don't even show up until 20 minutes in. Right. Uh, and so they tr- they trim a good bit out so that in the AIP shorter cut, uh, he shows up ten minutes in, which seems like you know that's a that's a better easier way to keep the attention of an American audience, especially kids. Yeah, I ha- I hate to I hate to go to the pure original and go. You're not as good as the little American. Let's get this out to the yeah you know drive-ins or the kitty matinee or whatever. But I'm like. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's better. I mean, I'm not saying it's a better cut overall, but that aspect of it is. Yeah, better. I mean, the the things you that know? get lost in the uh, in the shorter version, 
I do kind of miss, but at the same time, I can yeah. respect the idea of, you know, we kind of need to get to the lead. We need to get to the, to the hero. And, um, so I, 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 I don't mind the shorter cut. Uh, often I have a, I have a visceral reaction against, uh, a film getting chopped up and shortened down, but I have to admit it yeah, with, 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 uh, this film and a few others of this type, I understand it. Uh, especially considering that, yeah. While they do lose a few things that I wish wish they'd retained, like uh, later on in that cave when they when they run across the old wise man in the cave and Bachiste starts starts having that that long conversation with him uh, while he's holding that while he's holding the unconscious woman in his arms, I kept thinking to myself, you know, in yeah. this cut we don't even know who this guy is or or nobody's ever mentioned this old guy being in the cave until we just suddenly see him. In a longer cut, we had an idea yeah. of what this guy represented and why it's important that Machiste and these other people are talking to him. So, like I say, it's six of one, half a dozen you know of another. You know what's worse for me? You know what's worse for me? I, I, I was, you know, I get up in the morning, I, you know, look at different news services and stuff like that, and then I'm re-watching for the second or third time this Machiste film, and it says being sedentary and all that kind of stuff scientists are now thinking is really bad for the brain like you're you know there's a lot of stuff that needs to pump up into the brain while you're working and walking and doing activity all kind of stuff and i'm sitting there and the guy who has been sitting on this rock and machiste shows up and says give us information and i'm like why are you talking to that guy he's stupid (laughs) he had moved he had moved in a decade he has moved. I mean, his brain is like, you know, messed Turned up. Turned tapioca. Yeah, really. But um, so uh, let me let's, let's let's go through some of this stuff. Okay, so we're in China. Yes. This is the difference. Machiste is now in China, the eternal champion. Uh, there's a, a scene where they're trying to bump off this prince who might be a leader someday. So they have this thing where they... Uh, take him out on a tiger hunt, but they, I don't remember, they knock him on the head or whatever, and they tie him up and they throw him down into a pit for a tiger, and this tiger shows mm-hmm. up, right? Okay, work with me. I'm here. working with you. Come on. Tiger. <laughs> what did I, well, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to not, I'm trying to, I, here's the thing. Here's, here, I want to talk about the tiger scene. One, there's some good faking in this sequence of, Right. A guy who is probably the the tiger's trainer, or maybe just a a a, stu- a stunt double. Yeah, I think so. I think it's the tiger's trainer because he, it's not Gordon no. Scott. There's a there there there's a guy with a fluffier wig. It's like all of a sudden Gordon Scott got a couple extra inches on his haircut, <laughs> and they're 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 throwing him around. And the tiger is, you know, they're rolling around. It looks like they're they're lovers, basically. It's like, eh, come over it's, this it's, way. It's like your pet way. cat who's just having fun playing with you. <laughs> it's that's all it boils down to. And so the cat, the so so, but but the one part, and I'm not even, I might even be confusing it. There's a scene, uh, the the tiger uh, is being punched by right. the guy. And then there's a Gordon Scott standing there. He's holding the tiger, and then he he, he lets it flop on the uh-huh. ground. And you're sort of oh, like he's 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 defeated wow. he's defeated the tiger, right? 
He's defeated the Tiger, but I was a little, I winced a little bit. And, you know, maybe nothing, There, maybe there's no problem. Maybe the Tiger would look at me and shut up, you know, Mr. Woke. Well, the thing is that the, the, the Tiger was like, drugged, so. Well, the Tiger was drugged and that that's not co- that cool. But uh, when he flops him on the ground, but the Tiger before that, did you notice when, uh, who's who's the other good guy? Oh, the guy who's the, ti- who's uh, forget, who, the kid, kid, kid the, No, no, no. Kid that, that's from the last movie. You're talking about the the young boy, uh, uh, Prince Tai Sung, who's tied up and thrown into the pit. Oops. Wow, I'm getting these movies mixed. That's up. okay. Sorry. Uh, it was it was going to happen anyway, eventually if we covered two movies that are this yeah, similar. Well, there's there's lion attacks or whatever. Remember in that film though when he when the guy fires the arrow and the and the lion's laying on the ground with the this the the arrow obviously behind him buried in the ground and the lion's going like oh yeah it's kind of yawning. But anyway, so in this one he takes the slightly drugged tiger who's been given some cannabis and then throws it on the ground and the, t- and, and you can see the tiger lick his lips. Uh-huh. And goes, it's, 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 fra- <laughs> it's framed in such know. a way that you have to really be looking right at his head to know it. Of course. So that's, and, that's good, and, but still and kids yeah. in the 1950s and 1960s would not have nope. noticed that. That's what I try to explain to people in, in, especially with Americans. Well, hell with maybe with a lot of people in a lot of countries, that we have become experts of film. True. You know, this isn't impressionist painting. This isn't Renaissance painting with all those experts. This is people nowadays who are experts on rock and roll and films. And we've, you know, watched it. We've listened to it. We've dissected it. And uh, this is the modern art. Uh, and we're there. Uh, you know, uh, you know, picking things apart. You know, whether it's on social media or in reviews or whatever, where people are very savvy to stuff that, you know, it's like if a new Ray Harryhausen movie uh, is sixties or fifties style came out nowadays, would people be in love with it? Maybe in a kitschy sort of way, but we a lot of other people would rip it apart. Oh, yeah because because it's a product of that time not of this time and i i'm not saying that's good or bad or right or wrong uh i i think that the united states and and several other countries have become serious hardcore uh you know connoisseurs and critics of film and there's a lot of things that we watch now that we have the eye of a high level critic. Well, I think that now, and, and this is, this is compounded by the fact that now we have these incredible detailed, sharp prints that we can pause back up, watch again and again. And it becomes possible to, sure. uh, unnaturally pull your eyes away from the thing that the movie is focusing you on within a scene and kind of look right. around. Now right. for me, you know, for me, yeah. I, I thoroughly love that because that allows me to pay more attention to all these other details and all these things that I really also enjoy about films beyond just enjoying the movie as a, you know, a story being told to me. But for other people, 
it can become a, 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 I don't know, a crutch to complain, some kind of ridiculous thing. I, I, I don't worry about those kind of people. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm here for the big muscle man beating the shit out of things uh, and, and an adventure story. That's why I watch these movies, <laughs> yeah. okay? Yeah. And, and if I have sure. to kind of grin my way, grin, grin at the fact that the, uh, the tiger is obviously just laying down and having, you know, and, and, and having a rest on the ground, <laughs> that's perfectly fine as far as I'm concerned. I don't give a shit. Well, I mean, it was one of those things where the close-ups, I mean, you know, you got the guy who is the uh-huh. trainer wrestling with the real tiger who's slightly drugged, and then you get the close-up where the guy, where Gordon Scott is fighting with the tiger. Yes, the, fa- the very fake. Uh, well, it's not as bad a fake tiger head or, or lion head as I've seen in other movies. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's an obvious difference. There's no way to there's no way to pretend. I would have I would have I would have probably cut it a little shorter. But I'm I'm dealing with modern audiences. Yeah. I mean modern sensibilities, and so we're going back into the late fifties, early sixties, and I'm like this kind of thing. There's no way a kid back at that time or a young person watching these films on a Saturday matinee would have picked up on it. Uh, no, no, so. not at all. Now let's, let's talk a little bit about the, ver- the, the, the outline of the story of this really quick. Cause what we have here is a, is a, your, kind of your standard uh, young prince who's going to become the con uh, actually. And in this case we have a brother and a sister, but it is the son that is the, the primary problem. For uh, the the, uh, the the great Khan Garrick, the, the film's bad guy, who uh, is in charge until the young prince comes of age, so uh, he's he's the one who arranges. <laughs> I, I love the fact that uh, we don't even see we don't even see his minions. They 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 take the prince with them to go out on a hunt, and then we just cut to them having already like grabbed him, tied him up, and are tossing him into a tiger pit that they've built. It's like. <laughs> It's like yeah, we already know yeah, where this is going, yeah. so let's just get to it. Uh, and th- and that's not a shortening of the film. That's not in, that's in every version of the film. That's in both versions. It doesn't matter. That's just what they, it's like. Okay, sure. let's get to that. And uh, so uh, the <laughs> he, he uh, well our our bad guy here also has uh, yet another uh, what you think is going to be a purely evil uh, female sidekick who turns actually to uh, turns kind of uh, turns that around as this movie goes on. She sides with the good guys about midway through the film. Uh, played right. by let's 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 talk let's talk about this this actress because uh, uh, she's 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 playing the consort of the of the grand con or the great con Garrick. Uh, Louis uh, Louis Tai played by actress Helene Chanel and uh, she's she's someone uh-huh. who was in a number of these movies and I was another uh, once again it's one of those things where uh, you become a little shocked that, oh, I've seen her in things. You know, <laughs> I, I know her. How did I not right. pay attention before? And I think it's because in a number of movies, she would have different colored hair because I've seen pictures of her with darker hair and with, and with very blonde hair in some images. And so it's like, okay, that may be the reason why I didn't immediately realize who she was. Uh, but the... Uh, right. She's she's quite good here, and she 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 gets to do that that thing that I I I, well, I often wanted to ask this of a lot of actresses who had to go through these scenes like this. There's a scene later in the movie where uh, she's tied up and whipped, uh, and yeah. I start to I start to be concerned uh, about uh, 
what it's like to film one of those sequences. And I just, I would love to have an, a series of actresses who had to go through a scene like that and just want to ask them, okay, what, what, what was that like? I mean, did they, did, was it an all day thing? Were they bringing you water? Was it a, well, you know, uh, what, what, how are they faking the flogging essentially? I have all these questions yeah. I would like to know. Derek is planning to marry Princess Lei Ling soon. Therefore, it is necessary to make haste if we are to succeed in saving the Imperial Princess and with her China. Garrick would then become Emperor of China. Then what could we do? He'd have the right to rule over us. We must raid the palace and kidnap the princess. You're still too weak to move. We have to act quickly, Saracen. We can't afford to lose a moment. I will go to Panyan. I'll see the high priest there. With his help, I'll rescue Lei Ling. Listen, Samson, but you are not Chinese. Why do you want to... I'm not Chinese, Tyson. But that doesn't really matter at all now. I shall always fight injustice. We must let the high priest know that you are coming so he can help you. Our little feathered friend is one of our best messengers. Sonia, you were talking about, um, you know, women being tied up and beaten, all that kind of stuff. I keep thinking anytime I ever, you know, hear, uh, uh, you know, and, and, you know, talking about a scene like that, I keep thinking about the movie uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue with Bela Lugosi, a film that I love tremendously. But he's um, he's got the woman and he she's up on this weird sort of crucifix and he's sort of experimenting on her, trying to see if her blood will mix with the blood of an ape. But it's the great comedian, Arlene Francis, who was on What's My Line and all this. And then uh, was in uh, one of my absolute favorite comedy films of all time, One, Two, Three by Billy Wilder. And uh, apparently during the film, she was sitting there, uh, you know, when they uh, the director goes, okay, cut. And Arlene, who was a great comedian, was sitting there cracking jokes to the point where Bella Lugosi goes, you tell her to be quiet. She's ruining the mood for what I'm trying to do, you know, that kind of thing. And uh-huh. it was because she was so funny. And I'm, you're, you're talking about, I wonder how these women went through all this kind of stuff. Well, I know how she went through it, but um, I can't remember what exactly. And I've watched the film like twice this week. Um, what was what, what what was the kind of stuff they did? I, re, I mean, I remember certain scenes in the movies with the guy getting pierced with the with the, uh, you know, hot metal rod and begging oh, for mercy in, and in, all that kind of stuff in this in this film. Um, what was the one where he goes, I, I don't know anything. I swear. I don't know anything. No, that was in the earlier film where, um, you know, the, 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 it was the buddy of the guy who wouldn't give water to the women originally, but Machiste turned him around and then his buddy got captured and then tortured. But, you know, you, you, you think of these scenes, the first thing I think of is, man, my arms couldn't take that. You know, where you're hanging on a yeah. rack at my age, it'd be like the calcium in my shoulders would be killing me right now. 
Um, so, uh, but but the the you know um, what's her name was a dancer, and uh, you know uh, you know I'm, I'm getting what's the her name. Imp- Who are we talking about? Oh, you. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're, so you're talking about uh, Helene Chanel? Yeah, I mean she was a dancer, so you know her torture. Keep going. I'm 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 trying to work with you here. <laughs> work with well, me, buddy, I, about the torture. Was, I, scene. I know she was definitely a model. Uh, and she was definitely. Uh, uh, let, let's just say that uh, they they worked really hard to film her in this movie, and I'm and she was also in the Witch's Curse. And so right. that, that means she worked with this director, Ricardo Freda, on more than a few occasions. Uh, also, she was absolutely gorgeous in a little uh, Umberto Lindsay movie that I have a lot of a, t- a lot of time for called The Invincible Masked Rider in 1963. Did you, you see it? A film? Oh, yes. I've, I've seen it. And, and I, we need a really good print of that movie. It is really good. Huh. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a combination of Zorro and... Uh, uh, the Scarlet Pimpernel. It's right. it's it's pretty awesome. But she's in that as well, and she's she's eye catching at the very least. And of course, she's uh, you know having that lithe body. She's she's this, this very or lithe is it lit life anyway. Life. She's, she's got this gorgeous this gorgeous body, and the 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 way in which they the Freda films her being uh, her being uh, tortured is is it, it, it ignites two separate thoughts in in at least my head which is i'm not i'm not all viewers but for me it's one of those things where i'm going my god she's absolutely gorgeous and wanting to scream stop hurting that poor woman she's beautiful how can you how can you do that so well that's the most um sensitive i've ever heard you being rodney uh, well you should see me as i'm as i'm holding my dear little cat pancake and making her <laughs> evening very happy as i scratch his chin <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, sorry, so sorry. She, bro, um, bro, bro, I'm, I'm breaking my, I'm breaking my public persona pretty badly there, aren't I? Okay. Wow, you're like actually a nice guy. Jesus, I can't don't stand. tell anybody. That's I prefer it when you're evil. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm good at that. So, here's the thing. Gordon Scott is awesome, running all over the place, doing lots of great things, and my, I, I gotta say. There are these, there are amazing set pieces of action in this movie, and even though it occurs early in the movie, I have to say my favorite is the, the bar fight. Holy crap! Oh, where he where he grabbed that's that's it's a tie for me between that bar fight where he throws the guy out the window and then he goes, hey. Guys go, who threw you out that thing? And I go, the guy in there. And so they go inside, and then he, and then, and the Machiste slash uh, Samson, Samson grabs uh, uh, one of the pillars that supports the building and starts beating guys with it. Just I love it because he, he's wailing on him. And then the guy that runs the establishment comes up and is kind of okay with it. And I'm like, I'd be like, in real life, it'd be like, bitch. You done You've fucked up my, my establishment, and while while everything crumbles, uh, but is, this is a laid back film. Uh, I love that, but I also love the scene that would later inspire Caligula, where the people oh, are yeah. buried up to their heads. They're technically not buried up to their heads; they're in a box in the ground, and you get 
you know, it's like, uh, here, here's what's going to happen to these, you know, terrible people. Uh, and then the, uh, the, the chariot goes by with the blades to chop off their heads. And then they bring in the real people. It's like, you know, uh, you know, wooden heads. And then they bring in the real people. And then Gordon Scott turns around and does a Yakima Canute Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, uh, what's the John Wayne film? with the uh, guy grabbing oh yeah i can't remember which film oh it's we in, should be ashamed that, of, this is bad oh, no. Dude, this, this is, is bad. bad but at the same time uh, stagecoach stagecoach where say, he, okay it's in stagecoach it is grabs, amazing he grabs it but you know what yeah. there are moments in the film i'm like okay this is a low budget film and I, but the moment where he breaks off the chariot and is now sliding on on the, the, uh, yeah, on what's left of it behind the horses. What's yeah. left of it behind the horses. And I'm like, that's Gordon Scott doing that. You know, this well, is that like, was him hanging underneath the hanging. That uh, was him hanging underneath. Too. You can tell. I mean, we're not dumb. We can tell when the guy's fighting the lion where the wig is a little extra puffy that it's yeah. not Gordon Scott. But in the scene with him hanging off of the apparatus of the horses, I'm like, that is him and he's doing it and then eventually when he gets to the part where the where the chariot's gone and he's sliding on that mechanism behind the horses it's sort of like yeah, that's pretty damn good he was a, willing to sequence. do it yeah it really is yeah. it's fun it's um and you know um I, I, you know, like, it, once again, it reaffirms my belief that my favorite. I haven't seen enough of the Steve Reeves movies. I've seen Hercules in the Haunted World, but I haven't well, seen a, it. That's, that's not a that's not a Steve Reeves movie though. It's a Ridge Park plays Hercules in that. Oops. Cut this. Steve part. Reeves only played Hercules in the first two, Hercules and Hercules Unchained. But he did make a whole lot of other sword and sandal movies that are pretty great. So. Oh. Uh, so, um, cut this part because I don't want to look like a fucking idiot. I'm keeping it in. You're a sucker. Now, here's a good question for you. Um, <laughs> this movie also has some pretty interesting violent moments. Not quite as many as the the previous film we were talking about, but I mean, we do have uh, we've got we we get to see a few uh, villagers get their heads cut off. Cool. And there's even a sequence where nuns get butchered in a, in their convent, and uh, that was that was kind of impressive and, and something that I wasn't sure we were going to see in a film so like that. So nuns being butchered is impressive. You're going to hell. Uh, well, you know, I'm a horror movie enthusiast, so you know, this is what, <laughs> you start throwing those kind of things onto a movie, and you know, I'm pretty happy about it. And I guess we probably shouldn't be too surprised. This was this one was directed by uh, Ricardo Freda who, you know, is responsible for a whole lot of really interesting movies such as, you know, the, the horrible Dr. Hick, Hitchcock. Right. And, right. Uh, boy, some some astonishing movies. He also, like I say, did The Witch's Curse. He did a number of these wonderful sword and sandal movies. Right. But uh, the, uh, the, the stuff that he's probably remembered for these days are being like the co-director of the first Italian horror film, Ivan Pire. He co-directed it with Mario Bava and uh, th things of that nature, shall we say. Sure, sure. But um, his his later uh, 70s stuff like uh, Guano with a Tongue of Fire, Tragic Ceremony, and Murder Obsession. I like I like Double Face from 1969, but he, he's, uh, he was, he was uh, someone who did not shy away from putting violence on screen 
and uh, actually uh, also had a hand in Kaltiki, the immortal uh, monster. I love yeah, that yeah. movie. Oh my yeah. god, I love that film. Oh, it's great. It's it's great. Um, but what I love is that the stuff that I find I enjoy the most from him when I can find prints of it. Are the are the earlier works that he did in the forties and fifties? They're hard to come by, especially for uh, English speakers, because those were just, those films were just were not being necessarily ported over here for us. Right. But things like the Iron Swordsman and the Black Eagle and the Mysterious Black Rider, Eagle, all these Black Eagle is one that uh, in the commentary that Tim Lucas brings up. Oh a bunch. yeah, he did. He did bring it up. Yeah, many it's, times. It's one of those. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a film from 1946, and it's you start looking at these movies and reading about them and realizing, man, I really, I really want to see more of these. I want to see a whole lot of. See, these. that's the thing. I'm not used to any uh, like Italian uh, 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 films before uh, before 1955. Everything else is like a mystery. So to hear okay. that Black Eagle is from the 40s, I'm like, wow. Uh huh. You know. and that's and that's what I mean is that there's a whole period of Italian uh, you know like uh, adventure cinema essentially that's just kind of invisible to us and sure. I really wish that it was not so but only a few of those ever got brought over here and uh, yeah. it's 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 really I, I consider it a bit of a shame because you start like I say once you start reading about them you, you realize I really really want to see these movies a lot so sure. I mean, my God, we're, we're, you know, sort of like what Stephen King said about trying to find good horror. It, we're, we're sort of people panning for gold, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're and even, there. even, even something that turns out to be not necessarily the greatest thing in the world might have some standout elements that really, that really draw you in, you know, there sure. might be, you know, the, the film might be like, you know, 60% meh, but 40% really, really interesting stuff. Well, and, uh, it's like, I'm, it's I'm, willing, like I'm willing to sit through that. I'm willing to go through those films, you know. But it, it's sort of somebody, and I've heard this more than once, probably three, four, five times. Let's pretend in all of our film investigations that we finally get to see London after midnight in our pursuit for right for films that we're dying to see. How much do you think we'd really love it? I, that's just it. I have heard for years, argued back and forth, uh, people with, you know, uh, they're, they're backing it up with uh, contemporary reviews and contemporary opinions of right. people who saw the film when it was released. Sure. And I've seen it argued both ways, that it was that, that it was a pretty amazing movie and that it was not all that great. You know, one of the one of the weaker of the uh, Lon Chaney senior films. Uh, here's the thing. Well, but we already know, I don't know the fact that the vampire isn't a vampire. So right. that will taint us. But I, I'm not saying I wouldn't want to see it. God knows I'd be so oh, happy if we saw yeah. it. But given the fact that it is and then remade as uh, Mark of the Vampire, when you get to the end, you're sort of like, you know, it's a great looking makeup. But it is a makeup by one of the characters in the film. And that's the problem that I have is that people ratchet things up to a godlike expectation. Yeah. And you don't just get to enjoy it, you know. Uh, yeah, but, but, but at the same time, 
when something has been so talked about and so wondered about for decades, there's really no way around it. You know, um, some people are going to be disappointed. I mean, I, I, I get, I get sick and tired of the predictability of certain quote unquote critic, uh, crit- critical opinions or, or, or hot takes on things. We're currently in the, in the, uh, it's just recently we've had the, uh, the, the Oscar nominations for this year announced and right. it's like going through the same bullshit every year to people going, uh, who, who, who got snubbed? Who, who didn't get a nomination? Oh, how did that happen? And then right. the other people going, I don't pay any attention to any awards because it's all bullshit. And it's like, I've heard all this before and I've heard right. it for longer than you should be alive. So shut the fuck up and come up with something more interesting to say about yeah. these things yeah. and stop saying the same stupid shit I have heard my entire goddamn life about this stuff. Sure. Try fucking originality, you assholes. I'm, it, it, it drives me up a wall. And it's like, yeah, right. we, 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 if we ever get the chance, yeah, there's probably if we, ever, if we ever sat down and were able to watch London After Midnight, yeah. There would be fear, a fierce division, two camps, one claiming well, I'm it was not, wonderful. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to talk about a fierce division. I'm just trying to tell we all know in the end that the vampire isn't yeah. real. So we can enjoy Cheney's performance, but in the end, people are going to walk away going, it, he was a cop, not a vampire. Right. And that in the end, we already know the end. God knows it out of any film that's lost if any film is known the ending of it it is the lost film london after midnight and i'm not saying that we won't have a good time watching cheney's performance but in the end we do know that he's not a vampire and that's a little sad you know it mm, makes me I, I, I agree i mean there's no way around it the film didn't get remade you know, so we already know the, the, and they, the basic outline. And they outline had Lugosi it. do it, and it was right. cute. I watched it once, and I'll probably watch it again. Oh, I, I, I like, like I like the film. I like the yeah. film just fine for what it but is. I, but I, yeah. I love I love Lugosi there with the cigar at the end, packing up at the end, and saying something smart ass. But yeah. uh, uh, you know, um, we're we're in a world where we're trying to. Put back. We're almost like the uh, archaeologists that deal with dinosaurs that are trying to put the bones back together to figure out what a dinosaur looked like. We're trying to do that with films that are far younger, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, where we're begging to get it put back together. A film that I got a copy of recently was, um, well, shit, I forgot the name. Uh, Paul Wagner played the golem, uh-huh. the the magician. You know what I'm talking about, the magician. Yeah, I think I've seen it, but I think it's been a lot of years, which means I definitely did not see. But it's it one on, of those uh, that I wanted DVD to see so it. bad because it was part of that whole pictorial history of the horror films, uh, right, uh, right, books yeah. by Dennis Gifford, my my bible, most people's bibles for 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 monster movie books. But I'm like, I've got a copy of it. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm sort of like, that to me is a grail. There's a bunch of them. And uh, London After Midnight is a lost grail so far. Uh, extra footage from Metropolis that they found in whatever country they found and they plugged it back in. Okay, right. that's a that's a micro grail. But 
mean, we sit here and we beg and we ache for stuff, not only from our childhood, but but before our childhood. You know what I mean? I mean, this shit matters to us. Yeah. We, 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 we don't want this stuff to just go out into the ether and then fade away. No, I mean, we're fanatics. We, we are fans. You know, that, sure. that, that root word of fanatic is fan, and that is what we are. And that's where we get this, this desire to, to see these things. Yeah. And um, I, it's never going to go away. It just, it, it, I, from my mind, my interests tend to, tend to continue to expand as I get older. I, I, I don't find yeah. that my interests in these areas shrink. Uh, they, they have a tendency to grow and expand to the extent that, um, you know, I always, I've always joked that I'll, you know, I'll, I'll die never being able to see all the movies that I want to see. But it's like, I may die, not, not even knowing all the films that I would be interested in seeing yeah. before I die. That's you know? even it's worse. Just, That's even yeah. worse. I know I'm going to be in a hospital bed. My family's going to be around me and stuff, and I'm going to be like, what the fuck didn't I see? What, what, what didn't I see? Or, or do I? Uh, here, here's an even weirder question. I'm going to ask this Okay, question. I'll admit I, it. I will be there kicking the plug out so that you'll just hurry up and go. It's true. You'll be I'll over be. there with your lips wrapped around my fucking knob, you whore. <laughs> so, so here's the question. You're on your deathbed. This is such a fucking sick question, but I've had it for about oh a God. decade now. What? You're on your deathbed, right? Your family's around you. Mark Maddox is standing there. You know, he's sucking on one of your nipples. So that you're happy. God we're, save me. We're, we're, we're the TV. You got a giant fucking TV set in your hospital room, right? What is the film that is playing as you go out? Oh, I thought you were about to ask, what's the film that I first see in hell? I wasn't sure about no. that. What's uh, the, no. What's the film that, that is the comfort film or whatever the hell you oh. want? It doesn't have to be a comfort film. What is the last film? That is playing as you slowly drift off into bliss. You don't die like you know, you know. Uh, uh, it's a tough shit. call, but I, I, it's a tough call, and I will say I'm not exactly sure yeah. because I have a, I have so many films that I that just comfort me, and not necessarily like you know big major titles. I'll tell you this: it will be a black and white film because there's something huh. about black and white that really okay. soothes me. Cool. Um, makes me honestly black and white film has a tendency to to skip past my critical my critical uh eye uh easier uh on first viewing or even second or third viewing even if i start to even when i notice things it's easier for me to enjoy them when they're in black and white sure um i always i always have a tendency to revert to um Kind of the the formulaic fun stuff like the Universal horror films of the '40s, sure. or the uh, the uh, the horror murder 30s. mystery series like the uh, the Charlie Chan movies of the '30s and '40s, okay. or the uh, those those series movies like the Falcon and things like that, where right. there's a there's a formula, there's a rhythm to them that is comforting in and of itself, and then uh, they're well done enough. To make you uh, both enjoy the formula and not care that it is a formula, you know, it, it, sure. it's, a, it's the best of both worlds in, in that respect. I don't know, right? Probably, probably something like that. But I couldn't nail it down to yeah. a specific or, or singular film by any stretch. Right. Well, I mean, that's the weird thing. I mean, I've wrestled with this for forever. I'll probably die in my sleep and don't get this opportunity. But it's one of those where you go, man, 
if I'm going out and everything's cool, all's right in the world, and my family's around me, and a film is playing on the TV set at the house, in my hospital room, whatever, what's the last film that is playing as I go out? And I've, I've actually, I'm going to tell you something. This is kind of amazing because I thought about this for 10, 15 years maybe, but it's the first time I publicly asked the question. I've thought about asking it on other podcasts or, or on Facebook or whatever. But if you go out, what is the comfort film or the last film you want to see? Maybe it's brand new. Maybe it's something you've never seen. But yeah, as you're going so. out, that's true. That's true. As you're going out, what is the film that ushers you off of this mortal coil? And it's like I've wrestled with that. Do I want to go out with? Uh, it happened one night. Do I want to go out with uh, uh, Casablanca? Do I want to go out with uh, Lawrence of Arabia? Do I you know, the, the one color film that comes to mind that I wouldn't mind being my last film would be yeah. Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, that's a that's a real big one. That's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a real big one. You know, it's weird because uh, you, you think about this kind of stuff and you're sort of like, I think it really kind of comes down to what matters the most to you what yeah. film what True. genre what 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 comforts you it's it's sort of it's sort of uh i mean shit i'm trying to think of more obscure films that i like to go out with uh the, nobody else would say this on this planet but bill murray's the razor's edge or jack nicholson's oh. going south which i love tremendously oh. uh you, you're sort of like yeah that'd be okay I, I, I could go out with that because it's the last thing you're going to see. I don't know. It, I, I don't mean to get morbid. I don't even feel like I am being morbid. It's sort of like it's. But, but I understand why you'd feel that it was. You'd, you'd have to be in a certain mindset to actually bring the topic up because it is kind of odd. That's true. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so. wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've got. I've got a question for you though. Before before we stop before we wrap this up and start to- stop talking about these films, I have a question for you. Did you notice the fact that the only thing in Samson and the Seven Miracles of the World, the only thing that can defeat our main character, Machiste, is Machiste? Because he accidentally hits himself in the head with the Bell of Freedom. <laughs> That's what I was asking, and I needed to talk to you. My good friend, my buddy, my savior, what? is... He's there and he's ringing the bell that nobody can ring, and right. then it, I think somebody fires something. I kept, I kept backing that up and rewatching it. There's a there's a there's a noise. He gets distracted and he turns around to, to look at whatever was was call, was causing the noise, and it swings over and whacks him in the head. Yeah. So it wasn't somebody firing an arrow and bouncing off his skull or anything. No, he, no, he hit. He, it, he was hit. He was hit by the. Uh, the 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 uh, whatever the the clanger whatever they yeah, call that yeah, thing the that, you, that you whack the bell with yeah. all right so let me just say this that's stupid that's <laughs> that, that was I mean I'm like kept watching it I kept backing it up and going did a guy get a good shot in and, and graze his temple or whatever or did that bell hit him in the head well no, he, he yeah that's just it he knocked himself unconscious he's the only one that can that can take himself down <laughs> that's the well, they should have thing. renamed this film to machiste the retard because 
I was like, wow, dude, you really, I mean, I, I really kept watching it because I know that's too stupid of a, of a reason. And now you're telling me that that's what it was. Well, so. I mean, that's the way I interpret it, which is, you know, yeah, they, I mean, none, I none of these, tell none of these a, other idiots could harm him. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, if that's what it is, I don't, I don't even know if we'll ever know. I mean, it felt like a couple of the guys were firing. Weren't they firing arrows at him when he went like, and then grabbed his temple? I think you may be right, but I don't. But I don't think it's it an arrow. It's, it's definitely the. It's, it's definitely the, the the bell clanger that whacks him in the skull. The bell clanger that whacks him in the skull. There's a sentence. Uh, you know, I didn't really think that one through, but I'm kind of proud of it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gordon Scott. My God, what a man! And I'm straight. But he's still hey, a he's, man. He, he's, he's a gorgeous man. It was fun watching it with Beth and having her kind of discover, you know, well, not just like, the Tarzan movies and watch her, having her look at Gordon Scott and go, now, yeah, that's a, well, that's like a good I looking said, guy. Like I said, uh, 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 the other guy, the other actor, what's his name? Mark Forrest, early? yeah. Mark Forrest with his uh, 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 Elon Musk looking head. Uh, Linda, <laughs> Linda looked at that a little bit, but she didn't hang around. But when Gordon Scott showed up, she hung around for a little while. The, the little loved, woman. Yeah. The camera loves Gordon Scott, man. He photographs well and he, well, he carries he, himself. Effectively. He looks good. I mean, I'm watching the film and Linda and I are watching the film and I go, my God, the guy looks like a living action figure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mark Forrest is good looking and all that kind of stuff. But Gordon Scott really had the posture, the size, the height and the movements. And I'm like looking at him and it was a little surprising to me because David Duvall, when he was doing the uh, 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 Mark Forrest commentary, he mentioned other guys that had played uh, Machiste, but he did ma- mention Gordon Scott, and I'm like, maybe he didn't find him to be as compelling, but to me, know. Gordon Scott is, is so far, I'm just saying so far, is my favorite of the, uh, uh, you know, the Italian muscle man uh, uh, Machiste movies. He's, he's the most interesting. He's the most compelling. So... Well, I got to say, he started a number of them, and I don't know if it was just pure luck or what, but I really have enjoyed a lot of the Gordon Scott stuff because yeah. he, uh, he he was in uh, a, a really great one that I saw years and years ago first called Duel of the Titans, oh, okay. uh, which is uh, which is just just amazing. It's um, also known as uh, Romulus and uh, Romulus and Remus, and mm-hmm. it's Gordon Scott. And Steve Reeves. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. It's, wow, it's it's all kinds of good and well worth checking out. What and, year is uh, that? Nineteen sixty one, and it was directed by Sergio Corbucci, who went on to make Django. Ooh, Corbucci, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I love that. I've got to and watch so, that one. Another one that I enjoyed but wasn't quite as good, which is Gladiator of Rome from nineteen sixty two. Also pretty fun. Um, God, he made. Uh, there's a couple that I that I've wanted to see for years and haven't been able to get to, like uh, Coriolanus, Hero Without a Country. Here in the states, right. it was released as Thunder of Battle, which is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a Roman thing. It's not, uh, it's not a, you know, it's not uh, mythological in any way, from what I can, from what I can tell. But right. uh, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, 
Did you ever watch? Um, I was watching some of the uh, uh, trailers after. Did you ever watch Revolt of the Slaves? Yes, yes, I have. I have. Was that seen, was oh, that good? Oh. Did you like it? Now, Revolt of the Slaves. Which? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know the title. Which one is Revolt of? I don't the know, Slaves? but the the lady in it is uh, pretty much famous Hollywood. I was a little surprised when her name showed up, but now I can't remember it. But let me see. Wait, is I, that the? I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking of an Italian film. Is that what you're thinking of? You're saying that the. Oh, you're thinking about Rhonda Fleming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. That makes sense. I mean, uh, uh, Rhonda Fleming was pretty. Yeah. Pretty big. Yeah. yeah. I'd forgotten she was in that. It's been so. It's been a while since I've since I've watched that film. But yeah, I remember really enjoying that one actually. Yeah, Rhonda Fleming, Lang Jeffries, Dario. What's the name of the Gordon Scott, Steve Reeves? Because I'm gonna. Can I buy that? Oh, uh, well, like I say, I've only seen it in uh, you know crappy you know multi-pack copies, uh, so it may be so it may be actually available in a better print these days. Right. But I saw it under the title "Duel of the Titans," but okay. its uh, its real title is uh, like is Romulus and Remus. Um, it's essentially the the twin brothers that revolt against. Uh, the, the pre-Roman uh, government in Italy, and they're the ones who actually, uh, the legend goes, founded the city of Rome. Right, right. It's a hell of a movie. It's a hell of a movie. Okay, you I'm know, looking I think at there it. may I think there may be a decent copy of that out there, but don't don't quote me on that. But well, that's just, the question. When you got these two guys, why isn't this shit restored? Well, that's just it. I think that one may have had a good release in Italy. I just don't know if it's necessarily been been brought over to uh, to either Britain or America yet. Well, as we far mean, as, you know, it's like just a, a it's Blu-ray just time release. for an international, uh, you know, an international Blu-ray player. I mean, this is bullshit. Oh, I, I, I have one, <laughs> but I don't. Like I say, I haven't gone to look and see if there's a good copy of this out there available. Yeah, I haven't Probably got one is. yet. I haven't got one yet. I, I've got a. Uh, I mean, I've got feelers out for a good, uh, you know, 4K. Uh, 4K is international, so it doesn't matter. There's no. uh, That's true. That's true. But but that is fine. But then I need to make sure that the Blu-ray player plays every every country. I'm I'm sick and tired of this bullshit. Where I'm trying (laughs) to watch a film. I mean, especially now, I'm waiting for these Japanese films, uh, Rodan and and Frankenstein Conquers the World and and King Kong versus Godzilla, that they've now done 4K incredible restorations of. Oh, wow. Okay. I just really quickly looked. There is a German Blu ray of Duel of the Titans that is apparently region free. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah. I'm looking at a. I'm looking at it right now, and it is twenty one dollars and eighty cents, which seems to me to be a good price. Even cool. some uh, cast and crew interviews included. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of the whole international bullshit thing. Hey, by the way, on Rodney's show, fuck you and your international <laughs> uh, lines that you've drawn in the sand. You know. Oh, you're not talking specifically to me. You're talking about the fact. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm speaking for you and me. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I understand. It's not uh, not a pleasant thing. I don't like it either. So, yes, this is true. I I will go along with this. Oh, wow. You're such a nice young man. 
let's you know, yeah, let's let's keep that let's keep that uh, facade going. I think that's good. It's good. That is a facade. That, that's my own per. That is my personal myth. <laughs> that is a is a facade, Mothra Ephra. So it's very true. Yeah. Can I uh, can I get can I get a shout out for uh, the love of sword and sandal movies from Mister Maddox? You know, I'm not saying I love them as much as you do, but I have fun watching them. I truly enjoy their, you you know, like I said, with Goliath against the vampires. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I want that so bad. That is part of my childhood history. I want to watch more of these. Uh, I have, I have enjoyed several of them. Uh, I'm new to this actually. I'm probably, you know, if your toes are just in the water, uh, my toenail is in the water with these things, but it's fun. It reminds me of stuff that I saw as a child. Uh, I'd like more of it. I'd like to, uh, you know, uh, see more of the best of, and you know, if if something's crap, I'm going to call crap, but, um, I, I think, I think in a way there's something about this that is so much more charming and straightforward than a lot of the things that I've seen in the last you know, especially the last 10 years, I find myself being very disillusioned by a lot of modern film, uh, with its, uh, you know, not non-straight narrative. Uh, it's nice to just sit down and watch a straight story. So I'm hoping that, uh, uh, I get some more of these things pointed my way. I want to get more suggestions from people that go, you got to watch this one. You got to watch that one, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm definitely, I have never seen Tarzan's Greatest Adventure. Which, Worth your time. There, yeah, there is well, a, there is a, there's a Warner Archive set of all of Gordon Scott's Tarzan movies. Oh. That'll set you back about, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, they're DVDs. They're not Blu-rays, but they look pretty damn good. And it'll yeah. set you back about 30 bucks last time I checked. I recommend yeah. that. Okay. All right. I'll go for it. I'll go for it. So, um, to me, uh, I had a good time watching these it was very enjoyable uh um you know i'm hoping we get to revisit this sometime in the near future all right man thanks for coming along on the on the the uh, peplum uh, trip uh have you got anything that you want to let the people know about that you've got coming out anytime soon any artwork that we're going to see racing magazine covers uh, uh right now on the stands is my uh on the the comic book shops, it's uh, Count Yorga, but on the uh, uh, like in, in uh, Books a Million and Barnes and Noble, the cover for uh, Scream that I did is uh, Return of the Living Dead, where I had a I had a blast uh, painting some of my favorite characters from that film. I just did a poster for Joshua Kennedy's Innsmouth School for Girls. Uh, okay. Let me see. I'm trying to think of what else we recently I've been working on a series of books with a guy who, who wrote some of the Remo Williams later books, uh, oh, really? uh, red okay. menace. Uh, I've been doing book covers for him. Uh, I'm doing a new project, uh, a single piece of artwork for the, uh, film historian, Greg bank. Uh, Ooh. I'm doing a new project, which I won't talk about until it's really more publicly discussed with, uh, Sam Irvin. 
Uh, I'm trying to think of. I'm doing a uh, a, a, a new uh, cover for James Palmer's. Uh, I, shit, I can't talk about a lot of this stuff because it's oh, sort well, that's of a, that's, uh, a, that's okay. I'm yeah, here, of course. Um, and then I'll probably actually be uh, working on something with our buddy Rocco Jerome. I've got a cover I'm doing for him. Most of the stuff it's sort of like let's get it out uh, uh Dwayne Todd I'm working on a new uh project for him uh, I had worked with him on a Buckaroo Bonsai book I'm doing something for him so okay. things are incredibly busy sounds that way my god yeah this is the busiest I mean I've always said I'm busy but this is the busiest I've ever been for for clients and stuff things are very intense i'm working seven seven days a week so well got- uh mark I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh that you're busy and therefore working your tail off because uh it keeps you out of my hair it keeps you it keeps you from bothering me but i love you rodney <laughs> it's it, you know the the feeling is is uh not mutual, is not mutual. shut yeah. up <laughs> you love me mark Thank you once again for coming on the show, man. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Suck at all? I'm just curious. I suck a great big 